You're listening to Two Tape Decks and a Mixing Board, a podcast about life through the lens of music. Welcome to the show. You know what show it is. It's two tape decks and a mixing board. My name is J-Mac in my subterranean shelter in St. Louis, Missouri. Hey, and this is Sam Wade out in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. And you're in your bat cave there, dude. It's it's looking spookier every time we come on. <laughs> is it, huh? Well, yeah, the, well, I, I guess, well, because I've got like some green light happening. It's, it's you know, I'm just getting ready for Halloween, J-Mac. Speaking of Halloween... Uh, just a little aside, I went out to the Halloween store today. I got out, felt good enough to get out to the Halloween store, and my kid yeah. said said he wasn't scared, but the whole time he was like looking for the exit. They have these giant mm. mechanical screaming monster things, like this werewolf and all this stuff. I'm pretty sure he was scared, just didn't want to admit it. Um, some of the decorations that you can get at the stores now are pretty creepy. Okay, so I was at Home Depot. And they had this gigantic skeleton and it was very detailed, but it looked like it was like an, like an eight or nine foot tall giant. Isn't that creepy to put in your yard? There's one, a, a street over from me that is no joke. It's 20 foot tall. I, I, I don't know how much this, it comes in like pieces. You have to assemble it. It's just, I don't know. People got a lot of money to spend. By the way, Sam, did you know we are planning a Halloween episode? I did, J-Mac. What is it going to be about? I can't tell you, but we are going to have a return guest. Ooh. Yeah, so I, I hope our listeners are prepared for it, because we don't get spooky on this show very often. We've done Aliens a couple times. We've done the the Good Vibes, Bad, bad Vibes uh, show. So we have been known to stick our toe in the creepy pool. But this Halloween episode... It's going to be our first Halloween episode because I think we had, we hadn't been doing the show the last last Halloween. We think we just it was in the form of it was a twinkle in our eye, Sam. At that point, that's right. I'm really excited to do uh, a Halloween episode and um, see if we can scare ourselves just a little. Bit. If you would like to get the show, the best place to do that is Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcasts. Google us. On the interwebs, you will find every place to get two tape decks and a mixing board, streaming, downloaded, whatever, however you like to listen to it. A new episode drops every Wednesday, and on Saturday, we do something called a B-side, which is our our chance to diverge a little bit from music per se. It doesn't mean we always diverge from music, but it's a short, brief, little five to ten minute little blurb. If you don't have time for the 30-minute episode or 40-minute episode, Saturdays is perfect for you who you have little time. Sam, you want to explain to our listeners the premise of this week's fantastic episode? Yeah, Jay Mack, we're going to talk about guitarists that you would want to create a band around. Does that make sense? So like guitarists that you would build a band around so that you could go either record albums and tour. Uh, this is a difficult one for me to answer. I didn't think about this quite a bit. One guitar player that can do everything that you want to do on guitar and more. What guitar player from history, from the annals of rock legend, are you going to pick? You know, I just, you know, before we dive into this, I, I do feel like I'm working with one of those guitar players right now in Joel Dotson. I mean, he's he's pretty awesome. Um, and 
and I think that uh, you know we're going to see more and more opportunities of, of the stuff that he brings to the table. But thinking about like all of the all of the guys that have been around and ladies, um, that's a that's a pretty crazy thing to think about. So this is like living or dead guitarists. Living right? or dead, yeah. I mean, you you have the ability to resurrect the uh, the dead. They'll be like zombies, but they can still play really good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So okay. So what's your first one then? Jimmy Page, my friend. There's no way that anybody's gonna uh, argue with me that Jimmy Page can't play blues, can't play metal, can't play acoustic. He's basically if you if I had if I had any choice of any guitar player throughout history. I would pick Jimmy Page because he's just so versatile and he's got such a great guitar tone. He's got the look. Look isn't necessarily a prerequisite for this position, but it doesn't yeah. hurt. If if you listen to Zeppelin records, there's a lot he can he's playing acoustic guitar on a lot of stuff. He's an epic songwriter. He's just he's got the touch. He's got he plays that Les Paul, just such a such an iconic sound and silhouette. So Jimmy Page would be my number one if I could pick anybody from history. I think it's a really good choice because um, he is so versatile uh, and he's proven that for decades now. I mean, even before um, he was in Led Zeppelin back in the days of the Yardbirds, I mean, uh, at that point, um, I think I, I, I remember reading that he even turned down being in some of these bands originally because he was getting so much work as a session player and uh, and just really honing his chops there. To the point when, you know, Led Zeppelin came around, I mean, the guy was never and still is never at a loss for ideas. Like he's always going to have something to contribute. That's a really solid choice. He's brilliant. Now I'm going to defer to you, sir. For me, like when I was thinking about answering this question, I was thinking about, um, you know, kind of the same criteria, like like a, a real versatile guitarist. Because you could argue um, that if there's like a front man who's also a guitarist uh, or a front woman, that this is this has happened multiple times. They probably would have already had the band. You know, I'm thinking of people like Bonnie Raitt. I'm thinking of people like Stevie Ray Vaughan. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of guys like uh, John Mayer that have just built their reputation on just being amazing guitarists. But if I had to choose one... Um, that I still think is kind of undersold a, a little bit, it would be Lindsey Buckingham. I mean, this guy, it, it, again, is another one of those people who is never at a loss for ideas, um, and he can wail on guitar. Like, I'm thinking of, uh, off of uh, Fleetwood Mac, the song, uh, I'm So Afraid. Uh, one of my musician friends uh, turned me on to this video of them in 1976 playing I'm So Afraid at some college out in California. Look it up on YouTube. It's an amazing performance, and it actually transcends the recording on the record. And he just wails into it. So as a lead player, he's bringing something kind of uh, ethereal and extra into the music. Everybody in that band was amazing. But I'm also thinking of songs like Never Going Back Again uh, and, Secondhand News, and uh, Secondhand News, where he's doing like this really cool, like, you know, Travis picking kind of a pattern on the acoustic. Or like a song like Big Love. I mean... It's amazing what he brings to the table. It's sad that uh, he's not in the band right now. They've had a lot of differences over the years. I read somewhere I think they're 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 trying to reconcile, which is good news. But do you know what I'm saying with 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 him? I mean, he's he's amazing. I do because you've got to be, in my opinion, a good guitar player has got to be able to do acoustic and electric. I feel like if you're going to build a, a band around a guitar player. 
I mean, if you can shred, that's great, but you've got to be able to pick up an acoustic and be just as effective on that. So I would agree with Lindsey Buckingham. I think that's a great pick. Absolutely. Um, Who's your next one? I'm not going to go obvious on this one. Maybe it's obvious to some people, but I've always been a great fan of James Hetfield. Now, he's a metal guitar player, Mm. but I lean more to the metal side of things. What I will say about Hetfield, like I said, he can play acoustic and electric equally as well. I think I read, I've heard this multiple times, that he's got the fastest downstroke, like the chug, 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 recorded. His hands are so fast. He's so cool when he stands there in that stance with that Gibson Explorer. But if he, and he, and not only can he play rhythm, this dude can play lead. In fact, this might be a little sacrilege here, but I prefer Hetfield's lead playing to Kirk Hammett's lead playing. They're both great. Hetfield has more of a bluesy style. And once again, if you listen to like Nothing Else Matters, he's playing acoustic guitars there. Excellent. Excellent, excellent guitar player. And he can sing, too. So I think he might fall into the category, like you said, of maybe like a Stevie Ray Vaughan of the metal world. There's a lot of great metal guitar players, but Hetfield, I feel, could could bridge the gap between metal and rock. I think he can do it all. I would be happy to, to be second fiddle to James Hetfield. I totally agree with that. I I think I think Metallica, you know, definitely is is one of the greatest rock bands of all time. I'm, no one's going to argue with you on that, and a, a lot of that is is largely due to to what he brings to the table. I mean, all those guys together are just really incredible. But I don't know if you could have Metallica without him. The Metallica sound really comes down to Hetfield more than anybody else. Absolutely, and you know, um, I'm a big fan of guitarists who kind of think outside the box, and I think that uh, that Metallica is one of those bands. That you know, certainly with the release of the Black Album, they kind of pushed themselves into, you know, whole new territory, uh, breaking outside the box. When I'm thinking about guitarists like that, one of my all-time favorite guitarists out there is actually Paul Simon. Um, and wow, you know, I, I know he's a very he's I mean, yeah, I mean, he's an icon, he's a legend. Um, if he's involved in a band, it's probably going to be his thing, right? But building around a sound, like when you listen to some of the stuff that he does on the acoustic guitar, especially, and the way that he's moving around um, the chords and, and the way that he's working like the open notes on the uh, acoustic guitar and his voicings of things, I mean, it's just, it's just really incredible. All the way from, you know, the, all the way back to the stuff uh, like in Simon and Garfunkel and onto, you know, megalithic records like. Uh, Graceland. I mean, he really is just so versatile as a guitar player. And I would love to, you know, jam in a band with that guy. I don't know if we would get along. (laughs) You might be able to answer this question. The beginning of Mrs. Robinson, isn't he like slapping the acoustic guitar to get that sound? I think that's right. Yeah. I mean, just listen to what he's doing on the boxer. Um, and, and, you know, some of his other songs, I mean, they're, they're just really beautiful voicings. One of my all-time favorite songs ever um, is a song by him off of his first solo record called Duncan. And just amazing uh, gu- guitar playing on that. So he's definitely up there on my list. I'm going to throw one at you that nobody could disagree with. I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to hit home runs on every, on every selection here, Sam. Swing for the fences, man. 
I have been recently going through a huge Van Halen phase. I knew of Van Halen of the big hits and that, um, and the cover band. I would, I would, was fortunate enough to play with a guy who was who was good enough to do the Eddie Van Halen stuff. But I think there's no flashier guitar player than Eddie Van Halen. Um, not only that, if you listen to some of the some of the deep cuts, he plays classical guitar. I think the the little guitars track he plays classical guitar. He can play acoustic guitar. And he was just, he changed the game so much, Eddie Van Halen did, that in fact, I read or I saw an interview where they asked him, when you started hearing these these other guitar players imitating you, your tapping and your 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 tremolo bar, how did you feel? And he goes, I, honestly, I was pissed off <laughs> because <laughs> nobody was really doing that previous to that. And he was a scientist with his guitars. He would he would wire up his own guitars and his own amps and really dial in a sound. So not only was he an incredible guitar player, he was a he was a tone smith as well. It's it's a shame that he that he passed so early. I know he had a hard life, did a lot of hard living, but I don't think that any. But now now maybe no now maybe all the side things you got to deal with him with him. I don't know. Maybe that would make it difficult. But Eddie Van Halen. I've just I'm I'm in awe of him. The more I listen to him, the more I'm in awe of him. And I know it's the easy pick because everybody's going to say Eddie Van Halen. But once again, we talked about on the show previous who did the solo and beat it, Eddie Van Halen. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I mean that that guy was amazing. Um, and he was so much more than a guitar player too. You know, and I, I think most people would probably like gravitate to someone like Eric Clapton, um, and maybe not think to say Eddie Van Halen. You know, believe it or not. But I, I just think that he. He really is uh, amazing. That's why Bill and Ted wanted them on their songs. Sure. They're going to be famous until they get Eddie Van Halen on guitar, for sure. Sure. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, um, know, for me, uh, I think we'll do a few more of these. But, uh, you know, we're we're sitting here talking about our guitar heroes, too. I think if we're talking about versatile guitar players, we can't leave out the edge from you two. Talk about inventing a sound. That's right. I mean, you know... Early on in the in the in their you know like if you go and look up look up what they're doing when they were first a, a band I mean a lot of it was rooted in that same style you know that like Echo and the Bunnymen and, and some of those bands at that time period were doing, but he just skyrocketed. I mean he is definitely a tone smith. He he knows how like like he's a scientist with um, different uh, pedals and like tweaking the you know different signals to get a different sound. Like he'll build an entire song based on a sound he gets with the guitar. Like I'm thinking, you know, the first one that comes to mind is off of their uh, 1990 record, Octune Baby. Do you remember that song, um, Mysterious Ways? Oh yeah, it's got, yeah, I love that. It's got a real iconic little, like little riff going on there. Yeah, and it's a combination of so many different effects happening with like a wah-wah pedal, but that that tone is what they built the whole sound around. So, you know, the guy's incredible. He can He can, you know, play just about any style. But you know, you know, most of it is in the context of what U two does, and like or like it or hate the band. <laughs> you know, some people get so tired of that guy, of that band. But uh, I love him, and I think that you know he really is one of the greats when it comes to that. And you wouldn't be remiss having that guy around when you're making music for sure, because I think he 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 can go with the flow. He's understated in his in his genius. I remember reading how he came up with their their sound i i don't remember what album it was but he had bought like a little digital delay box which of course i had one that i bought and that i sold to you and you can play with it so much 
And he he just found a way to bounce the guitar in such a syncopated way that it became his sound. And other bands have copied it, but nobody does it like he does. He's yeah. he's brilliant. But once again, he's not going to melt your face per se. I think he probably could if he wanted to. But he's he's a genius with with playing with effects and getting uh, playing a minimal amount of notes and getting a maximum amount of return. Well, you know, when you're talking about, um, he can definitely get to the point where you can melt your face because I'm thinking some some of his guitar work on how to dismantle an atomic bomb. Um, I think that came out in 2004. Got some vertigo of the things on it. that he does on, yeah, it had vertigo. Um, it had all because of you. Um, some of these tracks are really are really huge um, uh, guitar songs that you know he's just laying into it. So yeah, absolutely. Do you got another one? I do have another one, and this is this is more. I'm st- I'm kind of sticking with the theme here because I, I definitely have a type of guitar player I really like. But Joe Perry from Aerosmith, who's got the dirtiest, bluesiest, and I'm talking early Aerosmith, like "Rocks Walk This Way," "Toys in the Attic," just a great tone, great bluesy tone. I, I almost feel like he could have played with Tom Petty. I feel like sure. he's got he's got maybe a little more growl than some of Tom Petty's stuff, but it's just a great all-around guitar tone, great songwriter, great stage presence, great hair, which is always important. But <laughs> Joe and Joe Perry, I mean honestly, he he lives in the shadow of Steven Tyler. As anybody would do if you're in a band with Steven Tyler. And I know there's been some friction over the years between the two of them, much like Keith Richards and Mick Jagger, kind of like a different side of the same coin, but Joe Perry uh, I I feel he's just got a real good groove and a real good sound to him. He, he writes some stuff that's borderline funky. You know what? You know what it is. I think maybe he's influenced a little bit by Jimmy Page. I think maybe that's what I hear in his playing. I don't know if that's if anybody else has made that connection or not, but I definitely hear a little bit of Zeppelin in the way he plays. Well, I think you know if you were a band, I mean they were contemporaries, yeah. um, but I think that it would be hard to not be influenced by you know a band like Zeppelin when you're playing on stage and doing rock music at that time for sure. You know, you know, one of the outside of the box guys that I would, if I was going to, you know, bring back someone, you know, that's passed uh, for this answer would be Nick Drake. Some of the stuff that he does as a guitar player or did was just really incredible. Um, And if, you know, if our listeners are not familiar, familiar with Nick Drake, um, it's it's understandable. Um, he was he was uh, an artist um, that didn't sell a lot of records when he was here on here with us on the earth. But Tony uh, Visconti actually produced his first record, same producer as, as David Bowie. Um, the record Five Leaves Left is just an amazing album. Uh, it has the song that you would probably recognize called Cello Song that was used in the soundtrack for Garden State. If you remember that film. Um, and then there was another song of his called Pink Moon that was off of uh, the record Pink Moon that was used in a Volkswagen commercial in the late 90s. I mean, and this is a guy that uh, when he was around, I think he sold, you know, tens of thousands of records. It wasn't that much. And if you can find those vinyls, the original pressings, they're worth a hell of a lot because there weren't that many made. But when this Volkswagen commercial came out, people started to rediscover his music. And he was one of these guys that was a poet and a guitar player and he had so many uh, had such a bright future um from an artistic standpoint but uh he was taken away too soon i know he 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 dealt with a lot of 
anxiety and a lot of depression. So he actually was one of those guys that uh, that took his own life in a very sad turn of events. Um, so that's why I think it would be interesting to bring him back and, and build a band around that. I think that it would still be relevant now. Are you very familiar with his music, J-Mac? No, I'm not. What I'm kind of getting a vibe is a Jeff Buckley kind of a thing. Jeff Buckley was an amazing guitar player, but his yeah. voice was so transcendent. I think that people forgot how good of a guitar player he was. And he died. He he passed too soon too. So I'm gonna look up Nick Drake. You got me curious, my friend. That's why. That's why I talk to you, Sam, because you make me think, <laughs> and very few people make me think like you do. Well, uh, I I think I take that as a compliment. <laughs> but that's you know that's that's kind of like what we like to do with the show uh, every once in a while too, right? Is like you know give you like a little as a creative, as a musician, as a songwriter, give you a little something to maybe go in. Go down a rabbit hole and see where it takes you. Broaden your horizons, as my dad would say. Right? Yes. That's a that is, that is a perfect comparison to Jeff Buckley because you know his guitar playing um, would be overshadowed by his amazing uh, voice. And that's another guy. I mean, let's just start a band with Jeff Buckley right now. I mean, oh my god, amazing. I'm so thank I'm so thankful that we got that I was introduced to Jeff's music. Amazing, yeah. amazing guy, and like I said once again, you're getting you're getting the full package with an amazing guitar player. The finger picking, his the way he would just emote as what with his guitar as well as as his voice. And no no guitar conversation would be complete without mentioning Cla- uh, Clapton, Eric Clapton. Talk about emoting. Talk about a guy yeah. who could make his guitar at literally voice his feelings. Um, the blues, the the low down dirty. Uh, just, just down in the dumps blues that he could do as well as playing really upbeat stuff too. So Eric Clapton, uh, I think, I think I would, I, I should be smacked if I didn't mention Eric Clapton. <laughs> no, I think that's a solid choice. Uh, I, I think that he is pretty controversial right now. Um, but we won't get into yes. that too far. Uh, but he's, he's, he's definitely one of those icons that, you know, I mean, think about how many other bands. Think about how many other bands he has been a part of, um, and they rose to the top just because he was in there. I mean, he was he was originally in one of the one of the incarnations of the Yardbirds that became Led Zeppelin. Um, he was in the Blues Breakers. He was in uh, Blind Faith with Steve Winwood, and he was in Cream with Ginger Baker, and he was in uh, Derek and the Dominoes. Derek and the Dominoes. Yeah, I mean. He's played with every legendary blues guitarist that's out there. He's he played on he was the only outside guitarist um to play on a Beatles song. You know, I mean, yeah, I can get behind that. That's some street cred right there. Yeah, absolutely. Before we wrap up the show, I know we probably got a few more things to say before we wrap up. I just want to get your opinion real quick. Where do you come down on George Harrison as a guitar player to build a band around? I think that that is a really good question. <laughs> and I think that you could totally build a band around George Harrison and probably even more so than any of the other Beatles. He was one of those guys that could transcend himself in his skill level. Does that make sense? I think some of it was because of maybe um, his studies when he started getting to Indian music and kind of breaking outside of Western music, and it really just kind of broke open this new way of approaching things. But his his slide playing transcendent and it's he's he's definitely one of the best slide players what about you where do you fall on 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 this equation 
I'm with you, dude. I really feel like his foray into Indian classical with learning the sitar informed his slide playing. He plays that slide like an Indian instrument. You know, there's a lot of bending notes in an Indian instrument, you know, stretching from one going up to two, three, four, sometimes just just, just like a long pull of the note. He, he, he does that with his slide. And I don't believe, I could be wrong on this, but I don't believe he played slide on any Beatles record previous to, to learning the sitar. I think you're right. He became a much better slide player or became a slide player after Indy, after the sitar. And I think learning in this, and I can, I can, I can apply this to myself. When I learned Indian music and the way they approached it, it informed the way that I played the guitar. Sometimes I would find a like a melody in, in one tone, and it makes you be more creative with your yeah. songwriting when you when you don't have the luxury of switching chords when you you're only dealing with notes. Not to get too deep on people, um, but I did hear I, I did hear George Harrison say this one time. He said, "I think I could be really good." If I actually practiced, he's like, I never practice, which blows my mind. He said, when, I, when it's time for me to get up and write, then I play. But I, I, I never pick up the guitar just to play it, which is crazy. Raw to me. talent. Yeah. I mean, that's that's just being cocky when you don't have to ever practice. Um, <laughs> so I think you're right. I, I would I don't know that I would say it's 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 just totally cocky, though, because if you remember, you know, the Beatles spent countless hours playing on you know stripper club stages yep. in the Reeperbahn in Hamburg and just really like cutting their teeth and putting the hours in they were they were, at some points they were doing three records a year i mean i think that he just really pushed himself to a point where he got that skill level up um and i think he was just being modest <laughs> yeah i mean the thing is um george harrison like you said Compared to the, I mean, now now McCartney's a freak of nature, so McCartney can literally be the whole band. But John Lennon was not really that great of a guitar player in comparison to the other guitar players we're talking about. He got it done. He was an incredible songwriter. He had a very unique voice. In fact, Harrison is listed as the lead player. Well, I mean, that's kind of what their dynamic was when they first started, for sure. Do you know? I'm gonna I'm gonna switch gears here for a second. And I don't want to uh, miss this artist when we're talking about building a band around uh, a guitar player that kind of thinks outside the box. I don't know how familiar you're or how familiar you are with Joni Mitchell, but she is an incredible guitarist. The way that she builds songs and the way that she builds chords, um, and she uses a lot of like alternate tunings and has for years, and just builds like these soundscapes for her songs that go between like jazz style chords into like real ambient chords and they can be you know real just kind of full open chords but she's just able to kind of like move the music uh in in uh, an emotional way that very few guitar players at least that make it um to that level of fame i've seen that can do and i think that uh people kind of get sidetracked maybe by you know her her um, icon status as an artist and as a singer and maybe miss out on just how incredibly talented she really is. Sometimes acoustic guitar players, and I'm, I'm as guilty of this as anybody, don't get the creds because they're not hooked up to a 
250 watt Marshall stack or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Because when you can pluck one note and it reverberates to a whole stadium, it's hard for an acoustic guitar player to, to compete with that. Acoustic guitar playing, that's why it's, it's so cool when somebody can do both because they're both their own art form. Yeah, it's true. And I have one, uh, I, have a, I have a question for you. So the same thing. I want to know where you fall on Jack White as a guitar player. Talk about thinking outside the box. He, he invents tones that I've never heard before. His playing is, is frenetic and very, it sounds chaotic. But that's his style. It's it's his right. own thing. It's it, it reminds me to some extent of the guys from Radiohead when they when they get into a solo, it gets real. It gets real frantic. Yeah. But no, Jack White, he's incredible, and I love how he 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 uses old technology, and I I really love the way he develops his the sounds of his guitars. Now he'll pick up a old piece of crap guitar, rewire it with some hot pickups, and just. <laughs> you know, maybe hollow out a spot of it and make a, make a sound, a unique sound. No, Jack White, amazing guitar player. He's, he's definitely, you said it right when he kind of like definitely thinks outside the box. He's definitely created his own thing. And I would file him under one of those guitarists that if you're going to build a band around him, you're going to build the Jack White band. I mean, like he, which is obvious that's, he's done it multiple times, but you know, it's interesting talking about his, his versatility um, the difference in his playing between like the white stripes where they're doing a lot of like simple, not simple, but, but a lot of single note runs and like doubled over octave things and stripped down drums and just really going for it to what he did with the raconteurs, um, which was very lush and kind of a power pop approach, more like big star kind of approach to guitar playing. So he definitely can do so many things, you know, then of course there's the dead weather where he plays drums, but we're talking about his guitar playing and he's uh yeah, I, I absolutely definitely thinks outside the box you ready for me to put a pin in this whole episode i'm going to drop a name on you that's going to blow your mind that nobody in this world on any planet any any continent could argue with this are you ready i'm I'm going to bring the curtain down sam or do you want do you have something you want to say before i bring the curtain down i am i'm ready for it one word sir prince maybe Mm. one of the greatest guitar players ever he could do hendrix he could probably do stuff like The Edge. He could shred. He yeah. could do metal. Um, he could do Van Halen stuff. Prince, once again, I, I, I credit your girlfriend for turning me on to Prince, dude, because I knew he was good, but I did not know how, we, how he was good till we talked to Rebecca about Prince, and I really, really appreciate that. I've got Prince on my walk mix now. I got it on my Spotify playlist. Prince, <laughs> That's awesome. You could you you talk about build a band around a guy. He is the band. There's no doubt in my mind, and I'm I I hope and and would agree probably with most of our listeners that Prince is in a class all of his own. Like you have everybody, and then you have Prince. I mean, I don't think that it's hyperbolic to say that you know he gets put in his own category, like Beethoven and Mozart, or any of these icon status of of musicians from from history, like. He could play everything. He was a producer, a songwriter. He played everything that he would contribute to his records. He played with skill and talent. And I mean, outdid Eric Clapton on the guitar solo for one. <laughs> guitar gently weeps. So yeah, dude, that's that's <laughs> next to impossible to make Eric Clapton go. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. That dude did it. Well, you're assuming that that Clapton wasn't pissed when he saw that video. <laughs> but yeah, Prince. Just incredible. 
for another fantastic episode of Two Tape Decks and a Mixing Board. My name is Jay Mack. And I'm Sam Wade. Saying until next week, stay, stay cosmic. cosmic.